Hi, this is Steve Roost, and you're listening to Health Tech Hour on UK Health Radio. Each week, we give you the best news, views, and interviews from the health technology world. From CEOs and founders to entrepreneurs and clinicians, the companies and people that are shaping the future face of healthcare. All on the world's number one talk health radio. Hello and welcome to Health Tech Hour on UK Health Radio, the world's largest talk health radio. My name is Steve Roost and every week on the show we speak to the CEOs, founders and leaders who are shaping the health tech landscape in the UK and beyond. I'm a CEO and founder of a health tech company myself and I'm passionate about the people and companies who are changing the world. Before we speak to this week's guest, I'd just like to remind everyone to follow at Health Tech Hour on Twitter and Instagram, and also follow at UK Health Radio to see who is coming up on the show. So today, today we have a fantastic guest on who is at the forefront of changing the perceptions, the diagnosis, and the care of women's health. Catherine, Catherine Falkend is the CEO and founder of not one, but two companies, Femtech Insider, which is the leading platform for health tech for women, by women, and Perla Health, which is focused on redesigning care for polycystic ovary syndrome, or PCOS. Catherine is producing an incredible series on Femtech Insider at the moment with Jenny Thomas. Now, Jenny Thomas is coming on the show next week, and she is the director of the Digital Health London Accelerator and PocDoc. Uh, my company are on the same accelerator, which is about trying to fast track health technologies into the NHS. So, Catherine, welcome to the show. Pleased that you're on. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to share more about women's health and femtech and all the other things I'm very, very passionate about. Great. Perfect. So I ask everyone, given, you know, the general world situation, what, how, what's the mood in the camp? Where, where even in the world are you? How, how, what is going on? Yeah, I'm currently uh, based in Austria. Um, I came back here. Uh, my parents live here and um, I'm Austrian originally. And um, yeah, I mean, we, we we're entering uh, month three of lockdown. Uh, just learned that our lockdown, heart lockdown is being extended for a couple of weeks. And okay. um, yeah, I have not seen a hairdresser in a very, very long time. But um, yeah, we're, you know, we're just like kind of, um, yeah, keeping trying to keep moral high um, among the team. Um, also okay. my co-founder, uh, Janine, is currently in Vienna. And okay. um, we are a UK company, both Femtech Insider and also with Perla Health, as you mentioned. Right. And uh, yeah, can't, can't wait to finally get there. But, you know, like plans are difficult in times of Corona. But yeah, we're trying to keep the spirit up. <laughs> and are you, are you able to kind of keep working, you know, during the, the, the pandemic or has there been kind of bumps in the road for you guys? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it is obviously difficult to sort of, you know, move into a, a remote collaboration model. And especially if you're, if you're building an early stage startup, you know, sometimes it'd be just great to be in the same room and being able to yeah. whiteboard something and brainstorm and, um, you know, just have these conversations that happen over a cup of coffee when you're maybe not necessarily, you know, planning to, yeah, know, to, to <laughs> make those to, plans. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Zoom calls the yeah time. totally but um on the other hand like obviously you know the and you probably know that as well um health tech overall um the healthcare innovation um obviously has gotten a huge boost uh, through the covid crisis i mean which is obviously bittersweet because we're still living it and it's obviously horrible what this whole world and so many people are going for so many lives lost etc 
for us, however, you know, it's just kind of shown a lot of the weaknesses also in the healthcare systems that we have across the globe in different countries and um, sort of know how much need there is actually for innovation in this space. So. Yeah, yeah, I think it's definitely been a double-edged sword. I would agree yeah. with you there. I mean, we've one of our advisors is um, is a very senior GP, and he said he's seen more innovation in primary care in the last twelve months than he has in the last twelve years. You know, so I, I agree. I think we're at the kind of forefront of this revolution, and uh, the scale and pace of of innovation is is kind of scary at the moment mm-hmm. in healthcare. Yeah. So, um, so the show so far, we've been pretty good about sticking roughly to the structure. So mm-hmm. the structure yeah. of the show is like the first bit is the origin. So how you came to be doing all the amazing stuff that you're currently doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then there's the middle bit, which is around all of the amazing stuff that you're currently doing. And there's a lot there because mm-hmm. you've got Femtech Insider and you've mm-hmm. got Perla. Yeah. Um, so I want to get really into, into that in detail. And then the final piece is what's the future for you, as well as mm-hmm. us kind of discussing a few topics, you know, trying to stay off of COVID if we can, yeah. you know, <laughs> just to make Maybe yeah. bring it up a bit, although it is kind of kind of tough. So, um, how did you end up? So your your background, I know, wasn't always in mm-hmm. health tech. Yeah. So, how did you end up kind of making that journey? What mm-hmm. What was the motivation for you? Yeah, um, as, as you said, my background is not in in healthcare. My background is in tech. So, I have. Um, spent pretty much my entire career um, working for various uh, tech companies of all different shapes and sizes um, across Asia, Europe, um, also the US, so Silicon Valley. Um, and I've spent a lot of time in B2B, spent a lot of time in software services. Okay. And um, during that time, at some point um, in my early 30s, so actually quite uh, late in life, um, I was then diagnosed with a polycystic ovary syndrome, so PCOS. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe for those that might not know exactly what PCOS is, it's an um, chronic condition that is actually quite common among women. It affects approximately one in 10 women. Right. And um, it's an uh, yeah, a endocrine condition uh, that uh, causes all kinds of unpleasant symptoms, um, potentially uh, infertility. Uh, essentially, you have like heightened androgen levels. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, infertility, uh, weight gain, bad skin, um, uh, hair loss, uh, then hair in places where I don't necessarily want the hair. So I'm male pattern hair growth um, okay. and also kind of a bunch of like complications that can occur if it's untreated. So um, okay. it often leads to diabetes, um, oh, okay. uh, yeah, cardiac problems, um, metabolic syndrome, fatty liver disease, uh, and a much higher probability to actually get uh, um, uh, that endometrial cancer, sorry. Okay. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, it's, it's very, very important to catch it early. It is pretty difficult to diagnose. Um, a lot of women are not, uh, around 50% of women with PCOS actually don't know that they have it. So they struggle wow. with the symptoms. Many are turned away from their doctors. Um, well, because they diagnose it as something else and just sort of- Yeah, so it's away. because the symptoms are so, you know, varied and like also not every woman with PCOS necessarily experiences the same symptoms. Um, it is actually kind of difficult. So for example, you know, I hadn't tried to have kids at the okay. time when I was diagnosed, so, you know, nobody ever, you know, tested. Like, I, I would never, you know, struggle with fertility. So, you know, I yep. was never kind of checked for that. And then, you know, I worked very hard with my diet and working out, et cetera, mm-hmm. to sort of maintain my weight. So, you know, I did kind of tick that obesity box either. Yeah. So, you know, and I'm like, look, I struggle with my skin. I have all these like symptoms, something's wrong with me. I get to tell. And I was just so, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a cosmetic issue, just like, 
Right. I don't know anything from just deal with it to bad genes. And um, so here's the thing, like I'm Austrian, so I actually have access to really, really good healthcare. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've spoken to my doctors about those, um, those symptoms and, you know, it's, it's hard to bring it up. Like, you know, yeah, the, the hair and the skin and like, and this, you know, so many. And it's sort of like a, there's a stigma and it's. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I kind of, you know, especially, you know, if you're told once that, oh, you know, you're just, you're exaggerating, like this is nothing, then, you know, it's even harder to bring it up the second time okay so literally i eventually got diagnosed when um i found a flyer at my petition's office that you know talked about um sort of you know pcos hersitism and like other it was, like, it was almost kind of like by luck that you completely yeah yeah wow. yeah and so i you know picked that up and you know what one does and started to google on my phone about <laughs> all these things because i'm like look how am i a woman in my 30s and i've never heard about any of these things and um i mean you know i talk a lot about women's health literacy also about like how whereas women were taught that women's health is you know like stay on a diet and like work out and that's how you're going to stay healthy and i just through the diagnosis i really learned that there is so much more to women's health than just that and um so i started to learn um about pcos because for my own sake in the beginning and then just learned how much more there was to women's health you know all these other conditions um all these inequalities and um so i got very interested in that space and um given that i had spent so much time in tech that's always where my sort of my lens and um sort of how i look at problems like you know through the eye of innovation or you know what can you build what can you do to really you know make a a difference there you know what's amazing is that of all the i mean not just on the show but just mm. speaking to people generally you know and i include myself in this mm. almost everyone i talk to that, that is in health tech mm. generally has a personal story yeah. about it you know yeah. about a, a totally. reason why they're yeah. doing yeah. it that's, yeah. Yeah. that's you know sometimes extremely personal mm. and yeah such as yours and yeah and rook who came on had a, had another one you know and it, it's um yeah i think that's one of the reasons why i find working in this space so inspirational mm. is because yeah people are doing it to try and solve really big problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, it's also, I think that that personal story also keeps you going because health tech is hard and healthcare is hard. And, you know, I think that's also me with a tech background, you know, like building software and productivity software and things, you know, yeah. that's, that's all nice. But, you know, if you, if you mess up, it's not as much of a big deal as it is if you mess up in healthcare. So, you know, it's kind of also making sure that you collect evidence and things like that, like, you know, building digital health and um, is, is not, is not um, an easy feat at all. So, no, there's, there's like, yeah. a lot, there's, I mean, we know as well from yeah, yeah. Talk, there's just such a huge, yeah. You, you can't apply the same, oh, yeah, you know, just work a product out there and yeah, okay, yeah. it's V1 yeah. and, you yeah. know, okay, there'll be some problems and just iterate. Yeah, and yeah, it doesn't, just, really, yeah. doesn't really fly because you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're dealing with, like, mm-hmm. the most sensitive aspects of someone's life. Totally, and, yeah. um, You know, if you provide the wrong information or if you provide the wrong guidance or if mm-hmm. your device doesn't work in the way it's intended and someone gets the wrong result or something, mm-hmm. then, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a major problem. Yeah, totally. No, I couldn't agree more. And, um yeah nothing more when you when you were because you you, and would you say that it was if if you hadn't have been diagnosed with pcos Mm -hmm. would you have made a transition into health tech eventually or do you think it was this kind of epiphany almost that there was this huge need for 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 you know innovation in this Mm -hmm. space that, that that drove you you know, my, my background had really been sort of in this B2B software services space. And um, sort of, you know, that's also where a lot of my expertise um, 
was or still is also to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I think it was really sort of this big epiphany <laughs> in a sense. And sort of, you know, what happened with me was then um, once I was diagnosed and I learned more about women's health, I started to track all these companies. Yeah. Um, and, you know, sort of not really with the intention to, um, you know, get into digital health or health tech at the time, yeah. but it was really sort of, um, well, you know, who's, who's working on these things? That's so interesting. And uh, then my sort of big moment really happened uh, beginning of 2019. Okay. Um, so there was an infamous report by Frost and Sullivan that came out that sort of spoke about the, you know, business opportunity in femtech and, you know, 50 billion by 2025, et cetera. You yeah. know, I mean, I'm always a little bit skeptical when the numbers are too pretty in a yeah. sense that you know nice, might be a little bit, yeah and it's, it's yeah. convenient that it's like a nice round 50 bill totally. right? yeah 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 <laughs> but yeah anyway so you know like it kind of you know put femtech on the map and you know there was a little bit of attention by both press and also by um, VCs and I was like oh you know that's that's so cool this um, space that I've been tracking for a while now is getting a little bit of attention yeah and so I was like you know where can I go and actually learn more and you know find out more and um, there wasn't really a place and um, you know what for me it was so weird because you know having that background in software as a services and also fintech a little bit um, I'm like I don't know how many blogs there are about like fintech and software yeah, services. Yeah, there's a lot of content out there that yeah, people yeah, produce. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah. it's a big community. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I mean, women's health, it affects 50% of the world's population. Kind and there isn't like a single platform that's really talking about this. Um, and, and that's yes. where you came up with Femtech Insider. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, that's what, so, so just for everyone listening, and also to be honest, it would kind of be slightly helpful for me. It's like, what, yeah. what do you... What do you believe is the definition of, of femtech mm -hmm. versus women's health tech mm -hmm. versus yeah. women's health care? Or like, what, how do yeah. you sort of navigate through all of that? And how do you think about it? Yeah, I mean, you know, that's such a great question. And <laughs> I mean, there's, there's, it's also like, in a sense, it's so weird because it's a somewhat controversial topic because femtech, it's not an ideal world. And there's a lot of people that argue by, you know, speaking about women's health innovation as femtech, it sort of, you know, minimizes it. it like I personally, I also okay. use the word man tech for like for example male contraception etc so for me it doesn't really have that um that connotation in a sense so there, but, you there, know there that's are, also you think there, there are some people that say femtech is somewhat uh, what's the word like what did what, what did you say Dim it's sort like of sort of yeah like sort of minimizing what it is and it's sort of why don't okay. we just call it health tech which i think is super valid um the reason why we still call femtech insider femtech insider is because it sort of allows us to rally around something and sort of kind of Creative collect team. the, the women's health innovation. Community. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So it's yeah. kind of, you know, it's something that people somewhat know um, and sort of associate with women's health innovation, but it's also not perfect because then you have a lot of people that hear Femtech and are like, oh yeah, yeah, that's about female founders, right? Or about women in tech. Yeah, no, no, compl I completely, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's kind of why yeah. I asked. So is it, do you think it's sort of, is it, because Femtech doesn't necessarily mm -hmm. have any like inherent reference to yeah. health. In yeah, it. yeah, so, yeah. Like I hear some people. I have I have seen it used around mm -hmm. um, just female founders mm -hmm. of of companies totally. or female yeah. CEOs, and it's got nothing to do yeah. with us. Yeah, no, totally. And as that, like, it's I think it's definitely not perfect. And like, what I've kind of tried to do is to always you know speak about femtech and women's health innovation to sort right. of you know kind of put right. the disclaimer there. Right, and I also like. I, you know, what the things we discuss on Femtech Insider are not also not necessarily always digital health. We also speak about um, life sciences. We speak about policy. We speak about access. Uh, so okay. generally, you know, anything that um, affects uh, sort of this very broad spectrum of women's health, like the definition and 
I also like is, you know, often when we speak about women's health, even, you know, we sort of try to limit it to um, in our mind, it kind of gets limited to uh, fertility or menstruation. And it's like so much broader than that. It's um, uh, conditions that on the one hand, yes, um, solely affect women, but it's also um, conditions that maybe differently or, you know, affect women more or in in other ways. So, um, you know, kind of looking at uh, mental health, uh, um, brain health, Alzheimer's, the Women's Brain Project based out of Switzerland is doing amazing research and work in that space. So um, I think, you know, we need to just think that whole, like women's health much broader broader, uh, than we are. And um, specifically with Femtech Insider, we've also been doing some work um, on sort of the consulting and training side with, you know, speaking to VCs and like, you know, a lot of other kind of stakeholders in that space to really speak about this. Look, um, women's health. So to try and educate people about this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. About like, just like, you know, the space, because there's, frankly you know we always sort of have this limited limited view of like where the opportunities are like Mm -hmm. in and like what excites me so much about you know working in women's health innovation is that I feel it's such a great opportunity to really um, move the needle for 50% of the world's population while mm-hmm. at the same time really building great businesses. And, you know, like, you know, frankly, what VCs are interested in is making a lot of money. And I think that's definitely also possible yeah. um, in women's health. I mean, as a patient, maybe not my, I mean, it'd be nice, you know, to eventually make a little bit of money. But, um, but like my yeah. primary motivation is really to kind of, you know, solve this problem that I've personally experienced for, um, yeah, women like myself. And uh, I've spent a bit of time with uh, Femtech in that are sort of also uh yeah speaking about this that you know there's more to this than just fertility and menstruation like you know let's look beyond that look at companies uh, building other things and um i mean you yeah. know we unfortunately we talk about that like you know sort of that's going back to the women in tech or women in um the sort of the startup scene and um you know there's not too many women in vc that potentially um you know, sort of have a personal relation to some of the problems that we address. So I, we're kind of jumping around a bit, but yeah. one of the questions, well, no, it's cool. So one, yeah. see, one of the questions that I have is, is around um, how you, because I know that we spoke before, before mm-hmm. this show to plan yeah. it a bit. And one of the things that where you, which I, I think is really interesting is that the, the, your, your belief that the current um, healthcare system and the current sort of tech landscape um, has created a set of, of needs within women that are completely underserved. It's mm-hmm. not created or that there are a set of needs that are underserved currently, both from companies, from investors and from the healthcare system. Could yeah. you elaborate a little bit on that? Because I think that that's really interesting, particularly around whether those, whether that underserving, is that because of, where, where does that sit in terms of, is it that women are, certainly as you said somewhat afraid or concerned about being able to speak about certain things so it's more of an education mm-hmm. demand issue mm-hmm. or is it more that there just aren't enough women starting companies to address these issues and people mm-hmm. funding them or both yeah so i think you know it starts even earlier so you know we with women's health often we struggle with um research and um you know even like how much we know about um women's health overall so you know from my experience working in pcos like you know at this point in time we don't know what causes PCOS and um, there's also no cure and um you know there's treatments or there um yeah i mean it's like largely uh so you treat the symptoms essentially. Um, that's either lifestyle modification or um, also medications like you know birth control, metformin, okay. etc. But um, it's like you know if you if you have PCOS, you're pretty much stuck with it, and it's just a matter of um, figuring out um, how to best live with it. Right. Um, but um, so generally, as said, and there's also not a lot of money spent on 
yeah, PCOS, like women's health research overall. So um, one thing that we do struggle with um, is also and like also impact. So, you know, the latest data, um, for example, for the U.S. that we found um, on like the uh, kind of impact of PCS on the healthcare system is from 2009. <laughs> and, wow. you know, that's not because we didn't try to and, and look very, very hard, but it's just like, okay. you know, that's kind of the latest there is. And right. so, you know, then, you know, you're kind of in a position having to make business cases and, you know, sort of basing things on data. And, and where, um, where, do, where do you attribute that lack of research to? What, what do you believe are the causes of that? Yeah, I mean, you know, we've always seen a lot of men in in leadership, uh, sort of, and you know, in deciding positions, um, both in healthcare and also in the tech space, and, and in academia um, as well, presumably. Correct. Yeah, and um, you know, it's kind of you you we always have this mirroring issue, right? Like you, you yeah. research what you understand and what you're interested in. And unfortunately, you know, women's health hasn't kind of, um, yeah, made the, made the, I don't know, top 10 list there for the, for the longest time. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, you don't know, we're seeing a lot of, um, yeah, I mean, women, you know, it's like really about stepping up, advocating for yourself. And um, I think also uh, in terms of speaking about that on an, on an awareness level, even, you know, just as, I mean, I'm a patient so in, in the first place and, you know, yeah. sort of as a lay woman um, in this context, you know, it's sort of speaking up about these things and you know, you're almost ashamed of these conditions that you had. Right. It's really stigmatized and it's, um, we don't hear about it in the media. We don't talk about it. And then, you know, like, well, then maybe it's not that much of a problem. So why would we, you know, kind of research this, fund this. So it kind um, of feeds into each other. So it's correct, like yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. stigma about yeah, it kind of yeah. depresses the yeah. demand. Yeah. That service somehow. Yeah, it's like it's really it's a systemic problem, and so you know it's always like kind of okay. pretty difficult to um, you know point the finger and be like, yeah, that's that's the problem, that's and that's problem. the problem. It's kind yeah. of um, sort of a, a bunch of factors that um, have led to um, the the position that we're in. But yeah, I mean, you know, I try to be optimistic and hopeful, yeah. and you know, we see more <laughs> action in this space lately. So um, that's quite promising, I feel. And so, when did you make the decision to just move from? from do, doing the Femtech Insider platform, mm -hmm. which I think is awesome. And mm -hmm. my co-founder, Kieran, is going to be on it, I think, yeah. this week, which we're yeah. excited about. Um, mm -hmm. When did you decide to move from that to actually founding mm -hmm. a company that was trying, the, the, like the Perla Health, mm -hmm. that will mm -hmm. make an impact on how people are cared for or the care pathways yeah. for PCOS? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, you know, I never really wanted to found a startup because I know that startups are really, 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 really hard. <laughs> yeah, there's an element of that for sure. <laughs> yeah, and um, so what, what happened was I started to talk to my um, co-founder at uh, Perla Health, um, Janine, who maybe she's listening, who's very, very Hi, awesome. Hi, Janine. <laughs> Hi, Janine. Um, and uh, so she, uh, her background is in pharmaceutical science and she worked for a pharmaceutical company, then sort of in digital health um, for okay. that um, uh, digital health company and um, sort of in the virtual clinic space there. And, you know, we just started chatting. Um, of, yeah, by now it's like more than a year ago uh, about uh, sort of just our joint interest in the women's health space. And, you know, yeah. we just kind of developed a friendship and um, just, you know, kind of exchanged notes and thoughts and um, stories. And, um, and at some point, Janine asked me, well, you know, Catherine, you see so many decks going through your inbox with Femtech Insider and you know, yeah, so, great, so many. Great, it's a great, it's a great way to, um, to see what's going on. Yeah, it's totally. Yeah, 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 for sure. And um, she asked me, well, you know, Catherine, if you were to start a company, um, what would you do? Yeah. And I told her, well, you know, Janine, I see so many, you know, kind of more of the same projects and, you know, kind of sort of. What's, what's the most common thing that you see? Yeah. So I see a lot of um, 
just more menstruation tracking yeah, exactly. apps. Um, I see a lot of uh, sort of D2C uh, deliveries, uh, sort of, uh, yeah. Like companies pharma. being it, like yeah, from not not even like so much the pharmaceutical science, but like women's hygiene. Okay. Um, so you know, like anything from uh, pregnancy tests, uh, birth control too. Uh, birth control okay. is a big topic. Um, uh, yeah, and but there's not much. Do you find because obviously PCOS is a very specific mm, condition? Correct. Yeah. Is it that there's a lack of things coming through for specific conditions? Mm. It's more general. Yeah, so- Totally. And so, you know, this is kind of also where how the how the um, conversation with Janine and I went on because I was like, look, Janine, like I see all these things and like I have PCOS myself. I know it's a huge issue. I know it really impacts you. I know it affects one in 10 women. I don't necessarily know how to solve for it, but I know there is definitely a problem there. And I mean, you know, when, when it affects that many women, then there's also a market. And so, um, you know, we sort of yeah. had that moment where we sat back and we're like, oh, you know, Janine has all this like sort of background uh, in the virtual health uh, yeah. or like digital health virtual clinic space. Yeah. And sort of, you know, I understand this from a patient perspective. And so we started to just like, you know, research a little bit more, talk to a lot of patients, lots of providers, so lots how of many, researchers. Um, so, you, so it's one in 10 women have PCOS? Mm-hmm. Correct, yeah. So yeah. is that something like three or four million people in, in the UK? Yes. Somewhere mm-hmm. in that range. Wow. Yeah. 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 And, that's, and that's, and and what currently, what, how would you currently describe the traditional or existing care pathway for someone, for, for, yeah. for someone with PCOS? Yeah. So maybe let's start with the diagnostics. So the diagnostics are actually quite, um, quite complex um, because as mentioned, first of all, you know, you, actually to find a provider that, um, you know, tests you for it, or is like, oh, you know, maybe that's PCOS. So we is, are- there a, is there a single diagnostic test or is it a combination of different yeah. markers and mm-hmm. things to look at? Yeah, so it's a, it's a combination of different um, markers. And uh, so they're referred to as the Rotterdam criteria. There are okay. three. Um, so one is um, kind of um, elevated androgen levels, which is either um, a hormone test uh, or uh, just also clinical observations. So, you know, like excess body hair or acne or things like that, um, that could be indicators for um, heightened androgen levels. The second thing is um, irregular menstruation and ovulation, um, which can be self-observed. And then um, the third um, thing would be um, the polycystic ovaries, um, which is a transvaginal uh, uh, ultrasound. Okay. That needs to be done. And in order to be diagnosed, um, you need to have uh, two out of those three indications. Okay. And um, it does not matter which two. And um, again, you know, going back to the research bit, um, we do not know a lot about, you know, whether it matters which two you're diagnosed with and sort oh, so of there's no, whether there's, there's a there's relationship no. between what you're diagnosed with and what symptoms you show. So, you and know, we there- really have a lack of... Um, uh, yeah, just research and knowledge there. And is there a range of severity of symptoms or is it all relatively, everyone has a relatively similar level of symptomatic sort of expression of the condition? Yeah, I know it's very, very different from woman to woman. So, you know, some might not struggle with some of the symptoms at all. Um, and um, so it's kind of the first question that we tend to ask us at Perla is sort of, you know, what, what symptoms do you have? And then also what symptoms bother you? Because, you know, if you're still younger, then, you know, maybe infertility, you don't really want to talk too much about, you know, <laughs> sort of uh, PCOS in the context of fertility and having children and might potentially even be triggering um, to sort of bring that up again and again. Mm. Um, whereas, you know, somebody that's maybe a little bit older, that's like, the main kind of 
symptom that they're struggling with. Maybe they, you know, are struggling with their weight and, you know, maybe also with bad skin, but they're like, look, I don't care about any of these things. Like what's really bothering me is sort of this, this struggle to conceive. And um, so, you know, it's really, it's super important um, with PCOS to um, kind of really understand um, where the woman is at, what's bothering her, also what her goals are and what she's trying to achieve. Like um, it's super difficult. One question that we've spent a lot of time on, what does it actually mean for a woman with PCOS to Mm. feel better and get better sort of because there isn't like you know a hormone test i can do or something okay. that can, and there's you know, no wonder and, drug to fix it correct so. yeah yeah okay yeah and um so you know you really need um also providers and unfortunately we have a bit of an issue also with um the understanding that providers sometimes have of that condition and what, what how would you so in the uk because mm-hmm. i know that you're a uk, yeah. UK company correct, yeah. looking mm-hmm. across europe and i assume yeah. in the us mm-hmm. as well but when when some when 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 a woman goes to i her GP, her general practitioner, mm-hmm. yeah. presents with some or some of yeah. these symptoms. How yeah. how have you? Because I'm guessing, have you done sort of research and spoken to a lot of mm-hmm. people? Yeah. What does that pathway normally look like? Do they normally get kind of sent away, as happened to you a couple of times, and they have to go back a third time or a fourth time and sort of push it? Or how does it? What, what's your view mm-hmm. currently of the, the pathway? Yeah. So unfortunately, what we see is that women see up to like eight doctors before they actually get diagnosed. So it's wow. um, pretty, um, pretty dark. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, it's sort of it's also like, you know, there's wow. this whole questions that you the question that you keep asking yourself, well, why am I struggling with all these symptoms? If You know, nothing's wrong with me. Like, what am I doing wrong? So, you know, you're really like looking for um, the fault um, in sort of, you know, your own um, kind of habits or, you know, sort of why, why am I call, how am I causing all these things? So, um, right. yeah. And then um, generally what will happen is that, you know, depending like it's either the, the primary care provider or the gynecologist or like maybe sometimes an endocrinologist um, that will okay. sort of um, diagnose this uh, depending on sort of how like, you know, a gynecologist will potentially so do there's it. No, there's no clear pathway for diagnosis either. It could be diagnosed by a number of different people. Correct. Yeah. Whoever it's really like whoever catches it. And I think um, also like the, the treatment that um, women receive is then largely dependent on um, which provider kind of, you know, does this diagnosis. Um, okay. The ideal oh, pathway. See. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. And so, you know, we really see um, a very provider centric um, care that is currently happening and not really a patient centric care. And so this is, I think, where we're really hoping to make a difference. Okay. So let's talk about how Perla mm-hmm. is, is yeah. solving these problems. Mm-hmm. What, what is yeah. Perla doing? Yeah. So at, as mentioned, we're very, very early stage. So, you know, these yeah. things are oh, yeah. still... <laughs> if there's like secret squirrel stuff that you can't talk yeah, about. Yeah, no, no, for sure. Um, but yeah, so generally um, what we what we do know is that um, sort of the best in class care is really an integrated care. Where, um, so the first thing is really, you know, let's make sure that the women that have just been diagnosed um, have a very good understanding of the condition and how it affects them and what right. it is and what it is not. So um, sort of what Perla is right now is really an educational um, platform that... Um, we started with that because, um, so, you know, when I was first diagnosed, as mentioned, I started to Google and um, yeah. I'm also part of a lot of, um, you know, kind of patient um, support groups and um, have been for a long time. And, you know, on the yeah. one hand, it's been wonderful and to receive all this support and sort of, you know, kind of find other women that, you know, struggle with the same. And, you know, I'd always thought that all of the things that were happening to me and that I couldn't understand about my body and like health and well-being were my fault and I was causing this and just like it's a big relief to know well you know there's actually reasons for this and you know I can get help and I can feel better yeah and um so you know just being in this uh, kind of in a community of women that understand um was Mm -hmm. huge for me 
Um, however, um, there's a bit of an issue with, well, you know, I took a zinc supplement and then three days later I was pregnant. So um, let's all take zinc supplements. So um, right. there's a lot of information that A, might not necessarily Dis be evidence-based. Dis disinformation or fake news. Correct. Yeah. 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 And okay. so that's why we really started with sort of information that you can trust. Like, you know, everything's kind of research-backed uh, that you find on Perla Health. So, you know, we're really, really super. Do you have um, a, do you have a clinical kind of partner or advisor or how or is your co-founder the clinical person that's validating all of that information mm -hmm. yeah so at the moment um, Janine is kind of you know really driving that process but we are working with um, partners so um you know as mentioned during sort of the research phase uh, for Perla we spoke to a lot of um, providers in this space okay. um, who are uh, sort of helping us just because they really believe in this uh, in this mission and are also helping us make sure that you know whatever content you find on Perla is um sort of up to the really Actually, really highest standards yeah. Um, and uh, so we offer this and then also there's an asynchronous telehealth model that we offer at the moment which is kind of um, okay. you know, not very structured so it's kind of you know based on this uh, network that we've been be able to build out mm -hmm. um, with providers with different specialties um, you know are it's there, possible to there, ask are there are there PCOS specialists or mm -hmm. is it so it end up under gynecologist or endocrinologist mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, there isn't really sort of a PCOS specialist. Um, there are a few um, sort of KOL so, uh, and research centers uh, around the world. There, uh, there are two of them, I think, um, in the UK and uh, 10 in the US. And, yeah. um, you know, those are, again, in the US, they're largely on the coasts. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, how big is the possibility, like the the probability that a woman that's diagnosed with PCOS sort of lives near one of these centers. Yeah. Um, and yeah, but so all the, all the providers that um, we work with or that are sort of in our network, um, you know, kind of have an understanding of PCOS. So um, they've been um, vetted and, um, you know, it's not just sort of anyone, but um, you know, it, it's kind of, they understand PCOS and um, so, you know, no woman will be, turned away you know if there's like yeah they're not yeah. going to end up in a video consult with someone that tells them that it's something else yeah yeah correct yeah mm -hmm. okay and where do you hope that the where, where's the vision for them yeah so i mean the the vision is really to kind of um you know help women across their entire journey and sort of across this whole um <laughs> pathway um and we're building um that out at the moment um we definitely do believe in this integrated care model um okay. we're sort of you know a central um person be it like a care navigator or you know sort of pcos nurse whatever you want to call that that sort of you know helps navigate this whole process so i think one thing that a lot of women with pcos struggle with is they're diagnosed and then they leave the doctor's office and they're on their own yeah so you, oh, congratulations you've got pcos yeah yeah now go away yeah um i can see that yeah and so you know it's kind of that's i think like also where we want to come in up being like look this is sort of what that actually means like you know i'm known for TMIs but like when I was first diagnosed um I was like you know I talked to my boyfriend I'm like look I can never have children and like right. it's not true yeah, that's, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah but like you know that was sort of you know what what I thought at the time just because you know that's sort of you know what I had kind of heard or read or like you know picked up somewhere and you're just like lost in the middle of all this um misinformation, uh, misinformation. And yeah and panic and um so you know it's kind of really just like also <laughs> yeah, I think it would be. I mean, like I know, I know that you you know Jenny from the the operator. Yeah. But if there are three million women, or three to four yeah. million women in the yeah. UK that are are suffering and yeah. you know, are sort of being diagnosed on an ongoing basis, yeah. you know, kind of forever, yeah. if that makes sense, because yeah. it's sort of ten, yeah. one in ten women, then right. having some kind of 
because I would imagine most of them get diagnosed through primary care or some kind of yeah. some, something like that. Having that pathway would be quite helpful for a GP. I would yeah. Think, yeah. There's probably a, a lack of information mm. at that level of what they mm. should do. So if they have a yeah. service that they can sort of direct people off to yeah. at that point, yeah. for the yeah. specialists, I think that that might be something that would be very interesting. Mm. Yeah, so I mean, there there are uh, sort of treatment pathways for PCOS out there. Also, I'm um, in sort of you know the NHS. Um, the the struggle that we do see is that it's not really integrated. So it's kind of yeah. again, you know, you know, we're treating those symptoms, but not the person. And sort of you know, we're also not the pathways also not designed to sort of treat uh, the the woman uh, sort of. In an, yeah, just in an integrated way, or you, you mean. correct? Yeah, yeah, and, and also in the context of PCOS, especially. So it's kind of you know, then it's like okay, so now we know this. So now you're going down the fertility pathway, which is again like a completely different thing, but it's never kind yeah, of in the context exactly. of the chronic condition. So what it sounds like is that there's sort of some very specific biological issues mm-hmm. that can be yeah. treated but some can't some can but then there's actually a much larger issue of of, of mental health associated mm-hmm. with correct yeah absolutely how mm-hmm. does that person yeah deal with that condition and and that it sounds like that really isn't being addressed at all in mm-hmm. the current treatment pathways or clinical pathways yeah totally totally right. it's like sort of you know this education and also um just like sometimes you come up with um you know with questions that are not necessarily medical like you know it's right. sort of okay i'm i'm going on a date and there's this guy I really really right. like and now I need to talk about like PCOS and the potentially it's, it's going somewhere and I need to talk about that you know it might be a little bit more difficult for me to potentially have children so how do you start a conversation like that and you know it's sort of yeah sometimes the problems that women with PCOS face are not necessarily uh, medical but it's also or like you know also there's a lot of cosmetic issues so you know the acne and then you know like you're talking about electrolysis and um like hair loss and um sort of skincare and things like that so um it's sort of this whole spectrum of um health that uh yeah if women like like for me when i was diagnosed i didn't even know who to talk to or sort of what that meant like where to even go correct so yeah it yeah sounds like yeah. Erler is doing an incredible job about yeah. trying to be that hub yeah I think that was, yeah we hope so <laughs> yeah so yeah. what is the next what are the next kind of steps for you guys in yeah. the journey with Perla yeah so we're actually quite excited at the moment because we um, are joining an accelerator program um, it's one of the first uh, uh, femtech so women's health specific um, femtech okay. accelerator programs femtech um, and, and health together femtech no? and health yeah correct so um, women's health innovation oh, um, yeah, okay. yeah. And um, so that's at uh, Station F, which is a big, actually, I think the world's biggest startup campus um, in Paris, in France. And um, yeah, so we just um, kind of the program kicked off uh, last week. And uh, both me and my co-founder, Janine, uh, are looking to uh, relocate to um, Paris um, to kind of join that program in person, if Corona allows. Yeah, um, if Corona allows, that would be incredible. Yeah, before we eventually also try to um, make our way back to, um, you know, the UK. Come back. (laughs) Um, But as said. Okay, so so there's the accelerator and then Mm -hmm. what's the kind of goal or the end point mm-hmm. after the accelerator yeah so for us it's really kind of you know building out that that mvp and we will be looking to um fundraise um after that also okay. probably um and so you know for, for us also you know i know we don't want to talk too much about covid but uh, no, sort of, please. I mean, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's hard to ignore you know yeah totally uh, i think for us like what has been a bit of a challenge has been you know working 
remotely and um, kind of just not having uh, other founders around yeah. to just like, you know, ask quick questions. And so what we really like about sort of this, this program that we're in is that because there are so many startups there and the idea behind Station F is really that, look, 90% of all um, problems that startups face can probably be solved or like yeah sold by other startups or at least yeah. you know they might have some advice on how to go about it and so you know we we definitely um believe in that and you know i've spent a lot of time in co-working spaces over the years and i'm a huge um a huge fan of sort of those collaborative um loose tie uh, models or you just sort of know what that person does and you're like hey you know can you just just help me with like you know this or that and um so we're just like really you know kind of um looking forward to being part of a cohort of, um, you know, other founders that are looking in a similar field and, um, you know, might be struggling with similar um, problems or challenges. And, yeah. um, you know, even just, you know, when you have successes as a, as a founder. Yeah, just sharing um, this, you know. Yeah, just sharing that. Celebrate and, with, as opposed yeah, to just yeah. being in the basement the entire yeah, time. Yeah, no, totally. And it's even, you know, we, we, had, we had a few, you know, good moments yeah. <laughs> as part of that, right? And it's like, then, you know, you're like, maybe have, have, a, have a drink or Zoom and yeah. It's like you switch off and you're like, okay, and now, now I'm alone again. And you, you sort of you crash a little bit. Um, so yeah, we're, we're really, really excited to kind of, you know, have, have a community, really. Okay. So on, um, on Femtech Insider, what mm -hmm. are some of the best stories that you've come across that otherwise yeah. might not have got out there? So it could be mm -hmm. like a companies that you've come across or just mm -hmm. individuals. So what, what kind of, what are those stories that you feel like you've amplified? Otherwise mm -hmm. they, they wouldn't really have kind of gotten out there. Yeah, so I think like um, one thing that I'm very proud of is that we catch um, startups quite early. Okay. So um, I think we have a very, very uh, in-depth uh, database of sort of startups in this space and a good overview. And um, I don't want to say too much, but it's probably going to launch in the next uh, one or two weeks. So we are uh, going to work with a data partner um, to sort of, you know, kind of make that experience even better. Okay. Um, and overall, what I'm super excited about is that, you know, we're really welcoming enough that um, people feel free to reach out with their, oh, you know, I'm launching this. I'm Can can you just, you know, help us get the word out? And um, yeah. sort of we have over the years really um, created a, a sort of a million list of thousands of you don't really yeah you've got thousands and thousands yeah of yeah what, what are the kind of if you had to pick some of the mm -hmm. highlights you know of the really cool things that you think oh my goodness thank goodness someone is looking at that and that is awesome yeah you know it's so hard hard to like really yeah, pinpoint on that one story <laughs> you can have as many as you want i don't know yeah like yeah. I, I know that you said that you get a lot of stuff that's generalized. Mm -hmm. yeah. but Yeah. Another way to think about it would be what um, have you seen or come across any companies or, or anything that's focused on specific conditions mm -hmm. that that you think is actually something that's worth sort of shouting about or talking about? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, what I'm personally always super excited about is any innovation in the um gynecological health space that is not necessarily uh, related to reproductive health. So, okay. you know, anything that's um, kind of addressing uh, I mean, PCOS, obviously, which unfortunately there's not a lot um, besides well, us, um, endometriosis. Um, so, okay. you know, anybody who's um, innovating in the endometriosis space um, excites there, me a lot. Are there people innovating in that space? What, what there are, are, there are. There's a, there's a few apps that are, you know, kind of helping with pain relief. I mean, endometriosis, again, it's a huge issue. So it causes, um, you know, really extremely painful periods and it takes up to eight years for a lot of women to actually get diagnosed with this wow. um, because they are sent away and they're like, oh, you know, yeah, a period is supposed to hurt. Wow. <laughs> and um, 
That's, so yeah. then, you know, you're just also, you know, as women, sometimes we're just like accustomed to just accept pain or like discomfort as normal. So, you know, you just and, you know, if, if you're told two times, well, you know, that's normal. Don't worry about it. You just don't bring it up again. OK. But yeah. So endometriosis, I'm very excited about. Um, what kind I, of what, what, what kind of how are those guys improving the treatment or care? Yeah. Of yeah. So I think it's really um, pain management. OK. For a lot of these companies through um, various different things, like I've seen some interesting approaches through um, uh, just also cognitive behavioral therapy okay. of like, you know, just kind of other uh, things. Yeah. Um, also education. Again, you know, a lot of uh, companies in that space are also working uh, on education, on awareness, on, you know, helping women to better advocate for themselves okay. um, when when seeing doctors. And, right. um, you know, so, they, like, so they're like, more educated so they can sort of, talk to the doctor yeah. in a way so they don't get kind of fobbed off mm-hmm. and sort of told yeah. to go yeah okay and i'm also very very um uh, yeah so gynecologic health overall there's also you know a lot happening in the pelvic health space um okay. lots happening on uh, pmdd which is also very painful sort of um uh pms symptoms okay. <laughs> um, okay. more painful than usual also um you know where a lot of women are just so oh you know it's just in your head just deal with it so you know anything that's like kind of pain related and you know sort of you know helping women to actually get diagnosed no they're not alone no this is a real thing that they're experiencing and it's not something that you imagine it sounds like a lot of these are very educational based is that because mm-hmm. the market yeah. is so new and the problems are so underserved that you're still mm-hmm. in the phase where you're just trying to educate people and break down stigmatization mm. around these issues so that people talk about it more and there's greater awareness. Mm. Yeah. So I think, I think there is a uh, multiple reasons for this. So I think the one first thing is that education is totally important. So that sounds really weird, um, but yeah, it's very <laughs> totally important. Um, <laughs> but um yeah, so it's, I think it's like kind of where, where we start from because um, there is so little out there that's actually trustworthy information in a lot of these spaces that we operate. And um, then also there's a lot of women that actually ne- don't necessarily know they have these conditions because right. they just think this is normal and this is yeah, how things are supposed life. to be. And then um, another thing that we have that we do see is that in, in this space um, is that, that you have a lot of very, very mission driven founders and um, okay. female founders that, as you mentioned, you know, that, that are potentially um, affected by these, um, you know, problems that they are, they are trying to solve for. Yes. And, you know, those, those women like myself <laughs> um, often come with um, a sort of from non-traditional backgrounds in this space. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's sort of where, where you start and sort of, you know, what you can also kind of, you know, when you're bootstrapping, we see, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, funding is picking up, but like, it's still definitely not where it should be like when we compare funding into and women. Is that, let's be honest about it. Is that because most investors' funds are male-dominated, do you think? Or- yeah, I, I mean, you know, I, I always... I don't necessarily like this narrative that it's like sort of the male investor's fault because also through the work that we've done with, um, with Femtech Insider, it's... Uh, I, I've seen that there is a lot of male investors that are really, really genuinely interested, but are also like sometimes a little bit concerned about, you know, maybe, you know, saying something stupid or, yeah. <laughs> you know, kind of um, yeah. just not, just not under, frankly, not understanding the space. And then, you know, like not exactly knowing where to go to ask these questions. So yeah. during those workshops, it's actually great because like, you know, I, get these grants. I'm like, look, just, just ask. It's fine. Like, you know, there's no judgment here that that's why we're here. We're here to like get these answers. And, you know, like, you know, I absolutely like, I would love to also see, or I love seeing a lot of men that are very supportive of this space. And, you know, like 
we there's so much to do and yeah. um, while i i do believe that you know we we need to see these products being built largely by women just because the lived experience you know is so important yeah um, i definitely think that we we need you know all these allies to um, help us move the needle on this. And um, I yeah, think, yeah, I mean, I, I can relate to your point around, mm. you know, as a man not wanting to mm. be insensitive or make a mistake or say the yeah. wrong thing. I, I yeah. totally get that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and, and I think it's probably unrealistic to expect that there's going to be this kind of huge swing of, of, of sort of, investors suddenly mm-hmm. you know there'll be 50 percent of investors yeah. or vcs yeah. that are female. Yeah. so i do yeah. think it's it's what you're doing with fentech insider and, and just in general in terms of educating them and also trying to almost take the awkwardness out of those conversations yeah. so that yeah. they feel capable or able mm-hmm. to ask questions and it's not going to offend anyone or you know they're, they're not going to put mm-hmm. their foot in it i think that that's really really critical so that they can approach mm-hmm. The business is just like any other business. Mm-hmm. Totally. And, you know, like, would I love to see, like, you know, more representation of yeah. um, women in VC for sure. But, you know, I'm also you realistic enough that. that we can't wait for that to happen. No. And, you know, we're like, I, I really think that you need to work with um, what you have. Um, yeah. You know, every day you wake up and you just like sort of wait, work with um, what you have. And um, sort of that's also how I try to approach these things and sort of, you know, how, how can I how can I help? Um, yeah. You know, we're obviously all, you know, trying to work towards a more, more balanced sort of, you know, in VC and at like sort of on, on the leadership levels of various companies in, in tech among founders. But um, you've got to start somewhere. And um, like I'm always a very big sort of default to action person. And, you know, I can sit here and, uh, you know, complain that the things are the way they are. Unfortunately, they are the way they are. Yeah. And um, sort of, you know, then, you know, I'm like, well, you know, what? how can I actually contribute to making a bit of a difference? And um, yeah, instead of just sort of standing on the sidelines, you're right in the midst of it, trying to change it and also work with what you've got at the same time. So yeah, I think that Mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, So what, as a, as a founder, you kind of alluded Mm -hmm. to it at the beginning where, you know, you've got a lot going on and I know that you're very interested in this sort of founder health, you know, particularly from a mental health perspective. Mm -hmm. So how, how have you found your journey from working as an employee in a number Mm -hmm. of, tech companies to being the yeah. founder of not just one but but two tech companies yeah so you know it's i've been around startups a lot and um you know it, it's always like when you're on the outside looking in it's always like yeah why, why don't they do this like you know this, this is definitely the direction these people should be taking and you know it's yeah. and when you're when you're in this um, position and you sort of really understand these problems and um sort of you know all the all the things that need to be done and you know the complexity of sort of the and especially the complexities in healthcare yeah <laughs> uh, you know the, the complexities that are involved in sort of the work that we do um you know you're you're really kind of understanding why sometimes you have these moments of looking around and being like okay what's what's the right next thing to do now and um especially you know when you're very very early stage and bootstrapped and you know you're obviously you know very very um well you know i try to be very or pay a lot of attention to um where i put my what i focus on or also you know what we build sort of what the first things are etc because you know i said you know we're only looking to raise a first round um and so yeah at the moment it's really about you know kind of also uh, collecting evidence you know making sure that people understand this works but um it's it's really it's really rough and sometimes like i really i got into a 
And in the beginning, especially, you know, when after, I think like half a year after we started Prolo Health, like the, in the beginning, I felt completely invincible. I'm like, I can work the weekends <laughs> and, you know, it's like, it's going to be fine. Yeah. And all this exhaustion, it happens to other people, but I'm so mission driven and this is so yeah. important to me and I can do all these things. And um, yeah, so I, I learned that I am not invincible, um, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I really, you know, kind of went through this um, phase, I think last, last fall when it was just really, really difficult. And, you know, like we kind of started to speak more openly about what we're doing with Pearl and a little bit of press coverage. Yeah. And, um, you know, that was sort of we worked towards that moment and then I just like crashed. Collapse, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And, you know, that's also and we don't talk about this a lot because it's like, oh, you know, she, if, as a startup founder, you need to be strong and you you always need to have things yeah. together and well, you need to be that. The, there's the cult of the kind of like rock yeah. star founder. Yeah. Thing, yeah. Where yeah. Like, you know, do everything, sleep mm-hmm. four hours a night, you know, do intermittent fasting, mm-hmm. you know, sit on a beanbag or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, there's kind of, there's that sort of image mm-hmm. where, yeah, it's, it's mm-hmm. all well and good if some people can do it, mm-hmm. but probably doesn't yeah. work for everybody. No, totally. And, you know, it's like, I'm really fortunate that I had some people in my network, um, that have founded and also exited companies and like uh, like one friend um also from my sort of software as a services past but um he, he sends me every three weeks he sends me an email how's your mental health doing how are you doing are you taking good <laughs> care of yourself and you know i appreciate it so much and you know sometimes i even don't reply back because i'm just like so in it and i'm like look, i'm so sorry but you know all of these things are happening but yeah. it's just like really that wonderful wonderful reminder and you know he said to me Catherine and I'm like I need to help all these women and you know this is so important to me but like the truth is if I'm not okay and um if you know I'm not well then I can't you know you can't do anything yeah you can't do anything and you know I think I've really learned to appreciate that um over the past year that um it really starts with me and with um me taking care of myself better and you know with me managing my emotions and managing my uh, imposter syndrome and managing like you know all these things and um it's really like i think like founder mental health and like you know personal growth is so incredibly important to the the growth of a startup and um yeah so i've really you know i'm trying to do a lot of work on this and you know i mean obviously it's an ongoing process that's probably never going to be finished but um just even you know recognizing that this is important and also you know kind of what, checking what, in yeah, yeah what are the you know what's the one or two things that you try and do mm-hmm. to kind of manage it as best as possible yeah so i mean you know i really so I've learned a lot about myself also sort of, you know, through using different um, uh, uh, behavioral health techniques. So um, yeah. I'm a huge proponent of um, a, also an app called Woobot. Um, it's a, like Woobot. a Stanford project um, and it's kind of, you know, it talks you through things. It asks you like, you know, what are you grateful for? Um, sort of, you know, even just like seeing these things sometimes, you know, when I get nervous about something and like, you know, kind of, okay, are you really nervous? Is, is this really as terrible as you think it is? Or, you know, are you just like kind of catastrophizing or, you know, making this into something or, you know, kind of trying to read other people's minds and um, like, you know, you kind of, your mind sometimes wanders off and um, makes yeah. things bigger or more terrible than they actually really are. Yeah. <laughs> and sort of, you know, kind of manage that and um you know kind of really working with that and um really like journaling and you know kind of writing things that i that worked well and you know that were exciting on any given day 
um, I think that really sort of helps me because it's easy to be completely overwhelmed and feel like everything is falling apart. But like I've been actually, and that's in a way that's sad, but I've been very surprised <laughs> how many things I find each day actually that have been awesome and um, yeah. that I can really genuinely like from the bottom of my heart be um, grateful for. Yeah. And um, I've also, you know, really learned to um, lean on my wonderful co-founder, who I need to mention again, um, no, <laughs> but um, you know, it, yeah, yeah. But it's just kind of you know, really also you know, we're we're a team, and you know, I'm just yeah. so I couldn't imagine a better person to be working with because you know, when I have these days, like you know, we have very very open communication, and you know, I feel super comfortable being like, look, I just have a really bad day <laughs> today, yeah. and you know, like I know it's gonna be fine again, but just like you know, really very openly communicating um, where you're at and. Um, sort of what might be affecting what's happening, um, I think is super important. Yeah, no, I think that as mission-driven founders and mm-hmm. we're the same way at Pockdoc where we're trying yeah. to make a big difference in, yeah. in helping people reduce their risk of cardiovascular disease by being able to test themselves with their smartphone or, or type mm-hmm. diabetes and then yeah. liver health and kidney health or even fertility. Yeah. I think it's, it's what's amazing is that you know that you're coming to work every day doing something that that will make a big difference to Mm -hmm. a lot of people if you get it right so um yeah i can totally empathize with that but then you know it does get it can get overwhelming sometimes totally and you know especially like one thing also i speak a a bit about sometimes about like you know being a patient and an entrepreneur entrepreneur Mm -hmm. because you know it's super hard to kind of you know switch off and come compartmentalize and there's patient Catherine and then there's entrepreneur Catherine and sort of how do they meet and you know sometimes in VC meetings yeah, I'm is, like, it hard, is it hard for you because you're kind of like a you're a consumer of your own product yeah it's, it's really really hard and you know like for me I was like when I was first diagnosed with PCOS I was like okay I'm gonna deal with this and I'm then you know I, I'm not gonna let this condition ruin my life and then you know right. I sort of didn't think about it once I yeah. sort of figured it out for myself <laughs> and um, now it's like so present in my life so well, you know it's, I, it's your entire yeah, life kind yeah, of yeah it's my it's pretty my entire life and so you know it, it's very very strange to sort of make that shift and learning how to deal with that but um, yeah, you know in, in the end switch off from it somehow sometimes yeah yeah and also obviously you know speaking more publicly about it because it's so important to um uh yeah just destigmatize this yeah. and um I'm, I'm still learning um to be a better spokesperson also for PCOS and, you know, kind of... Uh, i got to be honest. I think you're a pretty good spokesperson for PCOS. <laughs> I think you're doing a great job in my, you know, sort of neutral capacity. Yeah, no, and I really appreciate that. But it, it's like, you know, just like also moving from patients that's been more or less hiding the disease or like yeah. the condition to like, you know, somebody that's out there um, sort of being like, look, this is okay. It's normal. It's one in 10 women and... Um, we're, we're building something that will hopefully make things a lot better for all of us. Good. Well, look, on that note, thank you very much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure to hear about Femtech Insider and Perla Health and everything that you're doing to treat the one in 10 women, so millions and millions of women um, who are suffering from PCOS. And I hope that you can come back on again after you've raised loads of money in your next round and Perla Health is launched properly and integrated with the NHS and all of that good stuff. So thank you very much, Katrin. Much appreciated. Thank you for having me, Steve. It was a great, it was a pleasure.
can show me how to love, maybe I'm going through a drought, you don't even have to do too much